All right, well, I don't know about you, but uh, you ever come across someone who's pretty impressive? I don't know. That's the most an impressive picture, but uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's pretty easy in life to, to take a look out there at other people and kind of feel that maybe God forgot you in terms of certain gifts or abilities. Uh, you might look out there and say, you know, that person's super impressive at that, and God, that would have been really helpful if you would have given me that skill or ability, and, uh, you know, I could serve you so much better if you would have, you know, given me that talent or whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, I think that way. There's a lot of things that I wish I were better at or I was more talented at. Uh, I mean, I know a pastor um, who has almost a photographic memory, who can uh, recall books that he read 20 years ago, pretty much word for word. And I'm like, you know, God, that would be really helpful because sometimes I'll read a page and then I already forgot what I read and I got to reread it again. It's like I can't even hold it for two minutes, let alone 20 years. Like, God, that would have been really awesome if uh, you would have blessed me that way. I mean, I would be a much better pastor. At least I would think I would be. A, it would be really helpful for, to serve you if you would have done that. Or uh, I know another pastor who can stand in front of a crowd like this and uh, he can just hear everybody's name once or twice and then he could go, having met nobody, go back and mention everybody's name. And that's pretty impressive. Like, God, if you would have given me that gift, <laughs> that would be awesome because it's good to remember people's names and sometimes it's hard to remember people's names, right? Uh, I mean, I could keep going on, like when it comes to singing, uh, you know, it would be nice if I had a better voice why I like to sit like on the front row or somewhere where no one is in front of me because uh, I like to sing out, but I don't want to offend, you know, the person in front of me, right? There's a lot of things that while I look at my life, I was just like, God, why didn't you? Or that would have been really helpful. Or God, I, I, could, I could serve you so much better if you would have given me that gift or skill or, you know, more money or whatever it might be, right? And probably if you're honest with yourself, I mean, you probably have those similar kind of thoughts, maybe in different ways, but you're like, God, if you would, would have helped me out more with this talent or ability or, or this area or given me some more self-control or whatever it might be, it is very easy to kind of sit back and say, God, why didn't you uh, do this or do that or help me or bless me or give me this in a certain area? And our text today uh, helps us answer that question and helps us deal with that, that frustration that sometimes we hear in our lives. And we are in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 25. We've been uh, working through uh, the book of Matthew. Maybe hit the forward button there, Mike. It's stuck. <clears throat> and uh, Jesus, in context, has been talking about his return. The end of Matthew chapter 24 into chapter 25 is talking about the return of Jesus. And if you remember last week, we we talked about that we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we are all called, we are called to be ready. That there have been hundreds and hundreds of dates that people have set for the return of Christ, and they've all failed because Jesus says, we don't know the day or the hour. But what Jesus reminded us over and over and over and over again at the end of Matthew chapter 24 into 25 was that we must be ready. We must be ready at all times for the return of Christ, because we do not know when he is coming. So Jesus is taking and carrying that theme into our text today. In fact, all of Matthew chapter 25 is under this big theme we've been talking about that we don't know when Jesus is coming, 
but we must be ready. And so he continues this thought with a parable that we're going to look at today. And it begins with four, and that links us to, again, what we've been talking about. That's the return of Jesus. So this parable is about the return of Jesus and being ready. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, then he went away. And so this master, obviously, of a, of a bigger household, going on a journey, he gives each of his servants a different amount of talents. Now, when we think of talents, we might think of America's got talent or something like that, right? Because that's kind of how we use that word today. We think of talented people or whatever. But the word in the Greek actually is just a weight or a measure, usually of gold, silver, or copper. And it's kind of a vague term used anywhere from 65 pounds to 100 pounds, depending on where you were in the Middle East at that, at that time. Uh, but it often was a weight, and usually when it came uh, to the silver, which was the most common use for a talent, it was a lot of money. One talent was somewhere around half of a lifetime's worth of wages. So when we're talking about five talents or two, we're talking about a whole lot of money. In fact, the NIV if you have it, translates, translates it's bags of gold. So he gave one five bags of gold, and the other two, and the other one bag of gold. Now, he didn't give this to them to keep uh, in, in the sense that they could do whatever they want, like, you know, I'm going to take this gold and buy some more donkeys and take a trip to Rome and wine and dine as many gals as I can find. That's just not why he gave them uh, the talents. It says here, that he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. In other words, he gives it over to his servants so they might be responsible with it and faithful with it, and they might use it in a way that would honor the master. And he gives them over to his master. And as we take this parable into today's world, it's very easy to take the idea of a talent and, and really just to apply it to uh, anything we have in this life. So it might be, uh, your money, it might be your car, it might be your health or your life or your things, it might be your time, it might be your energy, it might be your money, and maybe that's why Jesus chose that more vague word uh, of a talent, because it can apply to anything that we have. And we must see, and this is kind of like discipleship 101, that we must see anything that we own as is being entrusted to us by God. In other words, God really does own everything we have. And we must see that everything we have is God's property and is a gift from God. Uh, James chapter 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. So everything we have in life that is good, it's a gift from God. And we must see that as a, as a gift from God entrusted to us that we might take those gifts and be responsible and faithful with them. And uh, Deuteronomy says this, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You might be, this isn't a gift from God. I mean, I earn my education. I work hard. This is stuff I earned for myself. I'm going to do whatever I want with my time, energy, talent, stuff, house, whatever, car, you know, anything we own. I earned it. This is not a gift from God. And, and he says, hey, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength 
and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Uh, bridging with that, Acts says, he, that's God himself, gives all men life and breath and everything else. I mean, the reason that we can even work to earn money or do anything, it's all the grace of God. I mean, the fact that our heart is still beating is the grace of God, or that we can think, or that I'm even standing here, or you're sitting here. Everything is a, a gift from God. Therefore, we need to see that everything we have has been entrusted to us, and we need to be, to be faithful and responsible with this. And this is kind of the point of the parable, that God has entrusted to us talents, and we need to be ready for his return by being faithful with what he has, has given us. And so he gave these guys different, different amounts, and it says this, each according to his ability. That God will hand out different amounts of talents to different people, and he doesn't give everyone the same. God knows that we're all different. He knows that I'm different than you, and that you're different than me, and we're different from each other. He does not create everyone the same. He does not give everyone the same gifts and talents and skills. He makes everybody very unique because he has a very unique spot for each person in the kingdom. We probably know this text well in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but this is talking about the church that's us in the image or a picture of a physical body. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing uh, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And so just as he, he hands out these different talents to these different servants, God gives off different roles, different skills, different abilities. He shapes us all different and uniquely. And as Psalm 139 says that we've all been fearfully and wonderfully made. And so if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one, one body. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that God alone decides which gift each person, uh, person should have. So he gives each person different amounts of talents or different amounts of abilities or capabilities or skills. And in a sense, we need to be happy with what we've received. Because it's something that God has given us. And I can sit here and say, God, why didn't you make me like this? And it would be so much more handy if you did this in my life. And the question that we are faced with today is not so much, God, why didn't you or why did you? The question really becomes, what are we doing with what we have? Because sometimes we can sit back and say, well, God, I can't serve you because I'm not so good at this or because I don't have the skill. God looks at us and say, well, what are you doing with what you have? whether you have five or two or one. And so it says, it continues on, he who had received the five talents went at once, and so he's eager, right? 
As soon as he gets the five talents, he, he goes at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So it's like a 100% increase. And the idea of trading them it means that he had to go out and sort of probably set up some sort of commercial enterprise or some sort of trading business so that he could earn more of what he received. And it says, so also he who had the two talents made two more. So both went at once. Both received a hundredfold increase because they went out and they put this money to work or whatever those uh, talent was. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the, uh, and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So the third guy takes the money. He's not so eager. He doesn't go out and trade. He doesn't go out and create this business. He doesn't go out and try to earn more. He takes it. He digs a hole and he buries it. And that's what you would do in those days if you wanted to keep something safe. They didn't really have banking systems like we do today. It wasn't really safe to give it to certain investors or a banking kind of system, which was, was very just, just sort of getting started. If you wanted your money safe, you dug a hole and you buried it. And this is what the third guy, he did. And then it says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Again, this whole parable is a picture, again, of the return of Christ. And the idea of after a long time, you remember last week, twice the stories were about the master being delayed. And that, and that we are often going to wonder, like, Jesus, what's taking so long? I mean, it's been like 2,000 years. You said you're coming back. This is taking a really, really long time. And Jesus says, it's going to feel that our master is delayed. And as we talked about last week, how Peter was saying that some people will even mock and say, well, where is this coming of this guy? You said he's coming back. And he's not coming. And, and Peter says, the reason is, is he's waiting. He's waiting for more people to come into the kingdom. He's waiting for more people to acknowledge who he is, to be forgiven and receive his grace. He is waiting. But at some time when we don't know and don't expect, he is going to return. And he's going to want to settle accounts with us. And the Bible says that all of us will stand before Jesus, and there is a judgment coming. And next week, we're going to talk a lot more about that, because next week's text is all about uh, this kind of judgment day, where we stand before Jesus and give an account, as Paul says, of the good or the bad that we've done in, in this body. And so we need to be aware Jesus is coming back, and we're, again, he's going to settle accounts with us. And he does this with these three servants, which represent kind of us as people and it says this and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more saying master you delivered to me five talents here i have made five more tal uh, talents more his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little i will set you over much Enter uh, into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, and he says the exact same thing. Whether it was the guy who had the five or the two, the reward of encouragement is exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of 
your master. I mean, imagine standing before Jesus, our Savior, the one who's given us so much grace and mercy, who died for us, who is king of this universe and king of his kingdom, saying something like that to us. I mean, it's pretty cool when someone you know, like, encourages you, hey, good job, and it's really awesome what you did, but imagine having Jesus encourage you, looking at you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my master. And this is what all we, 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 a goal in our life is to be responsible and faithful with all that he has given us, whether it's family or whether it's our money or our time or our energy in a way that when we stand before Jesus, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, what's interesting here is he talks about entering into the joy of the master. And this is talking about the eternal kingdom. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this. Imagine being in a place for eternity where it's just always joyful. Because we never experience that here. I mean, life can be really hard sometimes. I mean, we have joy because of Jesus and, you know, peace because of Jesus. But sometimes we're just like, I'm not so joyful because, man, sometimes we struggle with our work, we struggle with people, we struggle with our family, we struggle with health. I mean, sometimes life is really hard, but just imagine being somewhere where it's just always joyful. Always joyful when you're hanging around with people, always joyful when you're working, always joyful in life. And this is what Jesus offers us in the kingdom. No more sorrow, no more tears, but joy everlasting and this is the the reward given to those who love jesus but what's even more interesting about this is he says to both of these people you have been faithful over a little the guy had five talents and two talents remember two talents was worth a whole lifetime's worth of wages the guy who had five talents is like two and a half times a lifetime amount of wages i mean imagine if someone put in front of you Two and a half times your lifetime wage. Would you say, oh, that's just a little? Uh, that'd be a lot. I mean, I think the average person, if you think the average, that's like, you know, about a million bucks in a lifetime. Some people weigh more or whatever, but that's a lot of money. But he says, you've been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. He's talking about reward. I mean, Jesus mentions again and again in the scriptures that those who are faithful and responsible can look forward to amazing reward that'll make two and a half times our lifetime income look like a little bit, right? It's going to set us over much when we are faithful and responsible with the things he has given us. And so this is the picture of someone who doesn't know when Jesus is coming, but he's ready. Again, the master goes away. They didn't know when the master was coming back, but while the master was away, they were working hard. They were trying to make this money, trying to please and be responsible and faithful with everything the master gave them. And the master was very pleased with them and then the third guy he was a bit in trouble here he also who had received the one talent came forward saying master i knew you to be a hard man and that basically means the same thing we might say to someone say you're a really hard man you're a hard person hard to deal with hard to work with right reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed meaning He thinks his master is a hard guy, and he thinks his master is someone who makes everybody else do the work, and he gets all the benefits without doing any work, because that's what that phrase is saying. So he was afraid, and he went 
And he says, I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. And so this guy even recognized that what he had was the master's. I mean, get everything we have is the master's. Every second of your life, every breath, every heartbeat, every dime you have, every uh, vehicle, every possession you have, it's, it's a gift from the master. And, and we need to see everything like that in life. And so why, and we're going to see he gets in bigger trouble here, but the question is, like, why didn't he do anything, right? Because really he did nothing. He didn't even try to make more money. He didn't try to put the master's, uh, the master's money to work. He just buried it. He did nothing. Now, why did he do nothing? Well, it could be a number of reasons. It could be like when he says, here, have what is yours. It could be that he was angry. After all, master, you gave that guy five, and you gave that guy two, and you only gave me one. I'm more better. I'm better than that, you know. I deserve more. Couldn't you trust me with a better job? And his pride gets in the way, thinking that he deserves better and should have more gifts. And, and he's looking at himself, well, I don't really have a lot of gifts, and so I'm doing nothing because I'm ticked at you for not helping me out more in life. Maybe he was just mad. And so to kind of get back at his master, he digs a hole, and he just buries it. And here, you know, here, ha have uh, your money back kind of thing. Maybe then he was lazy. In fact, the master, when he comes back, he, he calls him lazy, right? That's what the master will call him in a moment. Uh, it could be he was just selfish. Master's going away. Woohoo! Party time. Bury that money. I'm just going to sit and uh, sit on the deck and drink wine all day or whatever they did back in those days. Maybe he was just lazy. But it could be as well that he just had totally the wrong idea of who the master was. Because he says, Master, I need to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, he says. I'm scared of you. And because I'm so scared of you, he takes his money and he buries it in a hole because he's afraid. Maybe he was afraid that if he would have taken that money like the other guys and went out and started trading, that he might have lost it. And then he would have nothing to give that back to the master. And because he was like, I'm really afraid to step out and take a risk and, and really use my talent, I, I'm just I'm going to bury it in a hole because if I lose that money, I'm going to be in really, really big trouble. And we can think this way as well. It's just basically wrong thinking. He didn't really understand who his master really was. Because when we're thinking about our master, our master is not a hard man. He is a loving father and a good father. And sometimes we might think, well, you know, if I really step out and use what God has given me to really love people, that I might really mess up. And if I really mess up, God might be really angry with me, so I'm, not, I'm just going to play it really safe in life so that God is happy with me. I'm never going to step out emotionally. I'm never going to step out and risk. I'm just going to play life really, really safe so God doesn't get mad at me. Wrong idea who God, God is. God loves it when you're willing to step out and risk loving someone. He loves it when you're willing to step out and risk using your gifts to benefit the kingdom. He loves it when you're willing to risk financially for the sake of something else or your family or, you know, the work of God. He loves it. And when we mess up, there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's so much mercy. I mean, I think it's the illustration they used in Catalyst. One of the speakers talked about 
you know, say you have like a little kid, I don't know, two or three years old or something, they've just been able to walk and manage a little bit, and you're sitting there, and, and you tell uh, this little kid, hey, can you go get me a cup of coffee with a bit of milk and sugar? Maybe you shouldn't be telling him to get coffee, but, and he goes, and he, he, go, he gets the coffee, and he puts too much, you know, milk in it, but not enough sugar, and he brings it back, and, and you wouldn't be like, you, you know, horrible kid, you put too much milk, you'd be like, oh, that's so cute, I mean, he really tried his best, and he didn't quite get it right, but I'm so happy, with it. that's the way God is. When we step out and just are obedient to what he's calling us to do, I mean, we don't always get it right. We mess up. I mean, I mess up here sometimes. You mess up. And, and we all kind of mess up. But God, when we're doing it for his sake and for the sake of just loving people, God he goes, oh, that's, that's awesome. When you really understand who God is, you will be willing to take risks. You'll be willing because you know he will never leave you more, nor forsake you. You know that when you mess up, there's forgiveness. And even when you're trying and you met, it doesn't quite work out right, sometimes God will step in and just bless the situation Anyways, this guy was afraid and therefore did not do anything. Do not let fear hold you back from stepping out in life because you will miss what God wants to do through you. You don't want to miss what God wants to do through you. And if you want to live kind of a miserable, depressing life, just play it safe. Take all those things that God has given you, dig a hole, bury it, and just live selfishly. Don't risk loving other people. Don't risk stepping out. Don't risk using your gifts. And I tell you, you'll just be kind of miserable. Those people who risk, who step out, who are serving, those tend to be the most happy people. And they've done lots of studies that people who are most happy in life tend to be those who are helping other people and loving other people and, and taking risks that way. And so he buries his talent. And the master is... Definitely not happy. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I uh, scattered no seed. So uses this guy's excuse right back against him and says, Well, if that's the way you think, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Now, the idea of investing with the bankers, that was a risky thing. Again, banks weren't like today. You would have to invest it in some sort of business or maybe a, a tax uh, money changer or something who might increase your money. It was risky. So again, he's saying, at least you, you should have risked a little bit with what I've given you. But you've dug a hole and you buried it. And again, he's saying, like, we, we, we cannot bury those things that God has given us. We can't sit back and be a, a slothful servant just using all those things that God has given us solely for our own pleasure. The mission God has given us is that we might love God and that we might love people, and that takes risks. Now, whether you have five talents or two or one, God has a role for you to play in his kingdom. God has a role for you to play when you're at work. God has a role to play when you're on your lunch break. God has a place for you to use those talents. And we need to be very careful about saying, God, if you had only given me this, then I could serve you. God, if you just, I, I only, the question is, what are you doing with what you have? You might say, I only have this much extra time. I can't do anything. Well, what are you doing with what you have, even if it's that much? Well, I don't have a lot of money. Well, what are you doing with what you have? I mean, I love the, uh, this guy. 
You might have seen him before. He's YouTube a lot. He's pretty, but he actually has no arms and, and no legs. Uh, his name is Nick Vojojacic, or however you pronounce his last name. Uh, but he, when I look at him, I could say, I could see a guy like that saying, God, I can't do anything for you. I mean, I don't have arms. I don't have hands. I don't have legs. I don't have feet. I just got this little thing, kind of a sort of a foot, and that's it. God, I can't, I can't lift things for people. I can't hug people. I can't walk around and serve you. God, why did you make me this way? God, I can't do anything for you. But you know what? He said, I don't have arms. I don't have legs. What do I have? What can I do with what I have? And you know what he has? He's got a mouth. And he just began to step out despite, you know, people mocking him and criticizing. He just began to speak about Jesus. And this guy has like this worldwide ministry now. He's led thousands of people to Christ. And I was just listening to him this week. And he came with this this person who was totally deaf. He prayed healing over that person. That person's uh, ears, their hearing was just restored like that. And he was like, God, what about me? But God used him to heal this person he has no arms and no legs. I mean, if a guy's saying, you know, if I just had one arm, then I could serve you. I mean, how much more us? I mean, what has God given you that you can use to bless the kingdom and bless other people? Right? And he says, if a man without arms and legs is dreaming big, why can't we, uh, why can't we all? All right, let's finish this up. So he says, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. So this guy who didn't do anything, his talent was actually taken from him and given to the guy who had ten. And then Jesus gives this sort of kingdom principle. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And because this servant buried what God gave him and didn't use it for anything, he had it taken away and give it to the one, uh, given to the one who was faithful and who really stepped out. And this is kind of this weird kingdom principle that when we're faithful with what God has given us, God tends to increase it and to bless that. When we're not faithful with what God has given us, sometimes he frustrates it or, or takes it away. I mean, Saul, who was the unfaithful king over Israel, because he was unfaithful, the kingdom was taken away from him and given to David. Uh, In the book of uh, uh, Haggai, the people who were supposed to be rebuilding the temple were unfaithful with their time and their energy and their money. They weren't, weren't building the temple, and so God frustrated their crops and frustrated their bank accounts, and they were like, it just seems like we have holes in our pockets because we don't have money for anything, and God says, It's because you're not being faithful and responsible with what I have given you. But on the other hand, when we are faithful, God blesses. Uh, 9, 6 of 2 Corinthians says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Or Luke chapter 6, Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so we need to be faithful with what we have. If it is small and it is tiny, be faithful with what you have. And and, and you'll be amazed how God will grow it. 
I mean, if you only got a little bit of time that you can give to, to maybe kingdom work at this point, though you should see all of work, your job as part of kingdom, whatever it might be. But just be faithful with what you have, and, and God will grow it. If you just got a little bit of money, besides your taking care of your family and a little bit of money to give away to the kingdom work, and just be faithful with what you can, and, and you'll see God grow this. But if you're not, you may find life being frustrated. You might, might find the things that you have being, being frustrated a little bit. And then he says to this servant, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And next week, we're going to talk more about this because uh, next week, we're talking about the separation. That when Jesus comes back, again, the context of Matthew chapter 25 is the return of Jesus. There will be a separation. And uh, some will enter into the joy of the master. Some will go to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the question again of this whole text is, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? We learned today about being ready in terms of being faithful and responsible with the things God has given us, whether that's, that's people or friends or family or things or possessions. We need to be faithful with them to be ready. But most importantly, to be ready means that you know God, that he knows you, and that you have a relationship with him. This worthless servant was cast out. Why? Because he did not understand who his master was. He thought he was some angry, grumpy guy up there, right? Do you know the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the mercy of the God of this universe? And through a relationship with Jesus, we have access to joy eternal, the forgiveness of sins, and grace evermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we have the hope of eternal joy where there's no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. And God, we thank you that we can even uh, begin to experience that and taste that here through your son, Jesus. Uh, God, we pray you would help us as people to be faithful and responsible with those things you have given us. God, I pray you might speak to us about those things that maybe in our life this week that we haven't given over to you. We haven't acknowledged that that is, that is yours. God, I pray that you would affirm your love and your forgiveness and your grace to us. God, we love you. And we pray your blessing over us this week. We pray, God, as we go from here, you would help us to love people and to love and serve those around us. And most of all, to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.